0: Open your Bibles, if you will, to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. If you have your Bible, you might want to keep it open, keep it with you. We'll be doing a lot of scripture. We won't read all of them together, but uh, we'll be diving into scripture. I think Merrick prayed through it earlier. Got a call from Jace yesterday morning. Sadly, he is not doing well. Hopefully, he's doing better, um, but was ill and was unable to answer the call to preach today, so he asked me if I would, and I was delighted to. Talking about the gifts of the Spirit is a joy. It's something we think about and talk about a lot. Uh, It was kind of a quick turnaround to put it all together, so bear with me, if you will, as we work through this. Uh, You're going to get your money's worth out of verses, I'll tell you that much. Um, So it is just so wonderful to be here together the full throated singing of the church, our whole church together. Sing everyone, everyone hearing the same thing. I only have to preach one time. That's glorious. It's probably a good thing because usually, second service, I'm longer than first service, if that's imaginable. So, yeah, you can look to your outline. Uh, and uh, you may have noticed when we read the statement of faith, if you followed along, we also put in there the what our sovereign grace, we have seven shared values that we share among the churches of sovereign grace, and one of them is continuationist pneumatology. It's kind of a mouthful to say we believe what I'm preaching today that God's Spirit still moves in the church, distributing the gifts to build up the church. So that's there for your uh, reference if you want to read that, and this will serve to help us uh, give a spin to that value. In 1989, Karen and I lived in Charlottesville, Virginia, and we had been partner friends of this church since 1985 when the then pastor, the planter of the church, had visited us in Brazil. We became friends. He then invited me to come speak at the church, which I did every year for a few years, and uh, we were good friends, different ministries. I was part of a different family of churches at the time. And we began to feel like God was saying to us that there was a change coming for although we weren't clear what that was. And I mentioned it to him, and he said, Brother, we'd love to have you come up and be part of what we're doing here. And that's what the impetus was that got us to move up here to Ohio. Now, one of the interesting things, we had decided to do this, but I was, so we went down to a meeting in Richmond, Virginia, out of our area, that hurt. <laughs> um, and, uh, and we're in this meeting there. It was a Christian meeting, obviously. It was obviously it was a Christian meeting, and then we're kind of milling around in the, in the entranceway to it, talking and communicating. And this lady walks up to me, and she says, are you a pastor? I said, the fellow was safe. It was in a Christian meeting. I said, yes, I am. She says, OK. Here goes. God says, the move is for me. And just the sense I had of God's presence in that moment was, was amazing because here was this woman who never didn't know me at all, but yet believed God put an impression on her heart to share with me that God was going to move us. Now, that would not have been something I would have said, someone walked up to me in a crowd and said, you should move to t- China. I would not listen to that. But it confirmed something God was already saying in a way that was meaningful. And I felt God's particular care through that. Another example I will cite along those same lines, in the 1990s, I was visiting Living Hope Church in Harrisburg, uh, Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, where Ken Mellinger, uh, many of us know Ken, was was pastor there at the time. He invited me to come in and speak. And uh, I can't remember all the details. In fact, I'd forgotten about it until... Some 25 years later, but uh, I prayed over a baby and they asked me to pray over the baby. I prayed and I just prayed and I and I said, I feel like God is going to use her to sing for God's glory. Uh, and so I shared that and and moved on. So some 25 years later, I'm, I visit that church again and her mother, Donna Winger. Uh, walks up and says, "Do you remember praying for my daughter Laura, 25 years ago?" I said, "I'm sorry, I don't." I said, "Well, you prayed and you prophesied that she was going to have a voice to sing, and God would use her for His glory." And he, and she said, "He has. She has a wonderful voice. God's used her to help in the praises, and she's married the son of Tim Kerr, a pastor in." And Toronto is part of the Southern Grace churches, and she's up there ministering in music. And thank you for your faithfulness to God's word. So what was that? What were those things? Were those just kind of lucky guesses? Just coincidentally that came to my mind, came to that lady's mind, and just worked out? Or was God encouraging and comforting through the gifts of the Holy Spirit? Well, let's study that today. Let's think about it. Let's wrestle with that in Scripture. And hopefully your Bibles are open now to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're going to read verses 1 through 12. Think about it, and we're going to read a lot of other Scripture as well as we're trying to understand what God's Word says for us today about the spiritual gifts. So this is God's uh, holy, sufficient, infallible, unchanging Word. Varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. There are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in every one. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good, for to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom. And to another, the utterance of knowledge according to the same spirit. To another, faith by the same spirit. To another, gifts of healing by one spirit. To another, the workings of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the ability to distinguish between spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit, who apportions to each one individually, as he wills, for just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. God bless the hearing and believing and obeying of His Word. Would you pray with me? Oh, Lord, what an awesome task is it is every Sunday to speak of You by Your Word, to explain what Your Word says. Oh, God, who is equal to such a thing? Lord, only by Your Spirit. Let he who speaks, let him speak as it were the oracles of God. Through that, may Jesus Christ be glorified through the church to the glory of God. Father, we pray for that today. Lord, speak through your word. Open our ears to hear. Illuminate, Holy Spirit, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so main points by the gift of the Holy Spirit, we want to be first informed, two, empowered, and three built up. Your main points, informed, empowered, and built up. First informed. So the context here of this chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians is the Corinthians were confused. If you read the letter, they were confused by a lot of things. But specifically, they had written previously asking God to explain spiritual things to them. They were trying to be super spiritual Christians. They wanted to be the max. And Paul says, I don't want you to be uninformed. So he moves their gaze from the activity of the Spirit to the Spirit Himself, from spirituality to grace gifting. The word in Greek he uses is charismata, where we get the term charismatic. Charismatics, it is grace gifting. And we want to be informed as well. So, so under this category of being informed, there are two subpoints: what the gifts are and what the gifts are are not. But the gifts are what they are not. Let me read to you just a snippet from this uh, Sovereign Grace Statement of Faith which we read earlier. Christ loves His church, His body, and provides for its health and growth through the Holy Spirit in addition to giving new life. The Spirit sovereignly bestows gifts on every believer. Spiritual gifts are those abilities and expressions of God's power given by His grace for the glory of Christ and the building up of the church. Another quote I'll give you, which we put in your outline, your handout, more simply stated, Wayne Grudem says it this way in his Systematic Theology, a spiritual gift is any ability that is empowered by the Holy Spirit and used in any ministry of the church. So in his his book, Systematic Theology, Dr. Grudem identifies 22 gifts recorded in Scripture. And as you may have realized from his definition, it's not an exhaustive uh, list of there are more than that. Uh, it is any uh, ability, as powered by the Holy Spirit, used in any ministry of the church. So the gifts of the Spirit are many and varied, but there are some that we see more than others, and some we focus on, and some we're specifically exhorted to exemplify and to desire. So some are spectacular gifts, some are quite common. The list of gifts ranges from like For example, the gift of healing to the gift of serving, from the gift of prophecy to the gift of contributing, from the gift of marriage to the gift of celibacy and others in between. The scripture makes no distinction between the so-called natural and supernatural gifts. So Herman Ritterbos says it this way in his book, Paul, an outline of his theology. This is a quote from him. He says the charismatic, the charismata, right, that grace gift word, the charismatic is not only that which is spectacular and unusual. Charisma is everything the Spirit wishes to use and presses into service for equipping and upbuilding the church, What can serve for instruction and admonition and for ministering to one another or even the effective direction and the government of the church. The whole distinction between charismatic and non-charismatic ministries in the church, therefore, cannot be reconciled with Pauline's conception of charisma. So one of the things that Paul is speaking to in the Church of Corinthians, they had over-spiritualized these gifts. And there were these things that were like, you know, beyond, you know, just super Christians. And like, yeah, there are some that are very extraordinary and impressive, but every gift is from the Holy Spirit. So we may think, oh, I believe the Lord has gifted me to serve, but I could never give a word of prophecy. Well, maybe not, but it's the one and the same Spirit that enables them both. So perhaps you could. Let's look at a couple other uh, passages that speak to this. Keep your finger, if you can, in 1 Corinthians 12 and turn to Romans 12, if you're able to do that with whatever device or book you have there. Uh, We'll see in Romans 12 an interesting mix of the spectacular and the more common gifts. They're kind of blended together here, a little bit unlike 1 Corinthians, that list we reread. So these giftings not only... Not only are they gifts identified, but there's an element of the fruit of the Spirit that's combined with them. Romans 12, 6 through 8 says this. Romans 12, 6 through 8. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving. The one who teaches in his teaching the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. So one of the mistakes that's made of those who practice the gifts is that sometimes maybe there's a gifting there, but there's not much fruit. There's a harshness or there's a pride or there's an arrogance. And Paul wedged together here uh, the humility and the cheerfulness and the generosity and these gifts of the Spirit. First Peter 4, 10 and 11, we won't turn there, but I'll read it to you. Peter talks about the gifts in, in kind of broad brushstrokes. He says, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks, speak as if he is speaking the oracles of God. Whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To Him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. So the goal of the gifts is to glorify Christ and God. So so the gifts can be helpfully thought of in two groupings. And this kind of way of maybe thinking about it, it's it's a way of organizing them. Gifts of speaking, words of wisdom, words of knowledge, prophecy, speaking in tongues. Interpretation of tongues, teaching, exhortation, those are spoken gifts, and gifts of service, like service, giving, mercy, leading, administration, faith, miracles, and healings. So hopefully that's broad enough that if you're sitting there and you're a Christian, you're beginning to think, yeah, yeah, I I can see that gift at work in my life. I love to serve. Or I just have a heart of mercy. Or I just help put things in order. Or, you know, I just like to encourage people and exhort them. Well, that's the Holy Spirit at work in you. So that was our first subpoint what gifts are. So let's talk about what gifts are not. What gifts are not. And uh, two points under this they are not deceased and they're not fully giving. So we're going to kind of tease out here and speak to. Kind of the spectrum we have in the body of Christ between what's called cessationists and I'm going to call charismatics. We call ourselves continuationists, kind of as a distinction, but essentially charismatics. We would fall in that camp. So churches fall into these categories and and they have wonderful traditions. Those who consider themselves cessationists, well, they often have a very high view of God's Word. And they have a very sense, a sense of very much desire to protect God's word and to shield it from, from some new something that someone dreamed up someplace that is not God's word and try to include it in God's word. Or maybe maybe seeing the abuses that are done in the name of prophecy or the names of the gift of the Spirit. So, so they have a heart to, to protect the scriptures from error, which is a good impulse. Charismatics often have a high view of the Holy Spirit and long to experience His fullness, long to have that flow of the Spirit, long to have that sense of God's presence when He speaks to us and He acts through us and we pray and we see miracles and we, and we see the gifts of the Spirit operating. And yes, that's a wonderful thing and the power of the Spirit. And, and the charismatics would, would do well to lean into those who hold highly the accuracy and the, and the, the authority of Scripture, which is unassailable, and those who don't understand the gifts would do well to lean into those who experience the fullness of the Spirit and joy and power. That's how we ought to think about this. So my first point, however, is the gifts are not deceased. They have not ceased, as some would say. So if you can, look at 1 Corinthians. Hopefully you hate your finger in, in Corinthians still. Jump back to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. We're going to read a passage from there. So cessation is that the gifts of the Spirit, especially the more spectacular gifts like prophecy or tongues or miracles or healings have all passed away. They want to guard the sufficiency of Scripture, and they have concerns about the abuses they observed. And so there's a number of passages that cessationists would cite to hold their view. They would say that at a, term, a, 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 a determined time in the past, God ceased to move that way in his church. And there's a number of places that may look to that, but But the main place you may have heard is 1 Corinthians chapter 13, which we'll read. And so if you're reading this, look for the the words perfect and imperfect. Because the sensations would say that perfect there is referring to the canon of Scripture, which is around the year 400 in there. The church fathers finally decided which books of the Bible would be included as the Word of God. And that it was a great work of the Holy Spirit that sealed us. We can have confidence those things were the Word of God, very important. And then we say, yeah, that's the perfect that, was t- that Paul was talking about, and so that happens, so we don't need this, the spiritual gifts anymore. Well, let's look at the, this passage and see what it says. 1 Corinthians 13, 8-13. <laughs> Love never ends. As for prophecies We see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. So now, faith, hope, and love abide, these three, but the greatest of these is love. Wonderful little passage, begins and ends with love. So I ask you, what is the perfect... What is the perfect, and what is the imperfect here? Well, it's hard to imagine that Paul was telling Corinthians that in a few hundred years, the canon of Scripture would be formed and would close, and that was the perfect they were waiting for. You just don't get that from this context. You know, at, at what point were Christians supposed to know that Their obedience to earnestly pursue the spiritual gift, especially with prophesy, when were they supposed to know that obedience had become disobedience? How are they supposed to know that? That's That's a question I would pose. So, if you look at this text here, I think the metaphors explain it. So, when I become a man, I will not have childish understanding. I will not need partially effective ministrations through other fallen men. I will be made new, I will be like Christ, I will see Christ as He is. When I know fully, it's when I am fully known. This only happens when Christ returns. Not only will prophecy and gifts of the Spirit pass away, it's glorious, but my faith will become sight. My hope of salvation, that Peter told me to set your hope fully, and the grace will be revealed at the appearing of Jesus Christ. My hope becomes sight, becomes realized. So not only at that point will the need for prophecy pass away and works of knowledge and miracles, but faith and hope as well will pass away. And all that will remain is love. Love never passes away because God is Love. And God so loved the world that He was His only Son, that whoever believes in Him would not perish eternally, but have everlasting life. That's the gospel. That's what we believe. God's love expressed through Christ never ends. Here's how Dr. Grudem says it in his book. He says, thus we have in 1 Corinthians 13, 10, a definitive statement about the time of the cessation of imperfect gifts like prophecy, they will make, be made useless or pass away when Christ returns. And this would imply that they will continue to exist and be used for the church throughout the church age, including today and right up to the day when Christ returns. So that's, I think that's evident from this text we just read. But not only that, and you can maybe... Look at this later. In the beginning of the book, 1 Corinthians 1, verse 7, Paul is actually encouraging the Corinthians for their use of the gifts, thanking God for that. And he says, verse 7, for you are not lacking any gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ. So Paul here, verse 7 of chapter 1, ties the the gifts of spirit continuing until Christ is revealed in his parousia, in his... In his return, every operation of the Holy Spirit, every gift of the Spirit points us to that day when Jesus returns to bring his kingdom and receive his bride. Then she shall be, we shall be, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing. No more sin, no more sickness, no more suffering, no more sorrow, no more tears. We will be like him because we'll see him, we'll be transformed, and have gloriously new heavenly bodies which will live with Christ forever. Hallelujah. Amen. That's a glorious day. Until that day, we need help. We need to be built up. We need the Spirit of God in us and between us to build up His church to prepare us. So, So, what the gifts are not, the gifts are not deceased. Number two, the gifts are not fully given. Number two, the gifts are not fully given yet. And this we'll put in the charismatic camp. And and we're talking about a spectrum here, so bear with me. Don't take offense. If you consider yourself cessationist, please don't take offense. Respect you. Respect your love of scripture. If you're charismatic, if you consider yourself charismatic, I was, I would consider myself charismatic, especially when I first came to the Lord. Bear with me. This may not refer to you exactly. So part of the reason we use the term continuationist is to focus on the but the Bible teaches over some traditions that I'll mention here. So number one, charismatics can have an over-realized eschatology. Some charismatics can have an over-realized eschatology. So they might say, "If you're not healed, we prayed for you if you didn't get healed, it's because you didn't have faith. If you don't speak in tongues, well, you're probably not baptized in the Holy Spirit. Uh, they elevate New Testament prophecy. And so there's this great prophet who prophesies the saying you better, you better do those things. Let me tell you something. God, I believe, uses prophecy. I hope that those words I shared with Asher and Hannah were inspired by the Holy Spirit to encourage them in their lives. But they are perfectly free to completely disregard them. Why? Because the Word of God is what builds us, but those could have been, I hope they were, encouragement from the Lord for them. But sometimes charismatics elevate prophecy in the New Testament to a place that God did not give it. Uh, It's like New Testament prophecy is like when you have that feeling, you should go pray for someone in a particular way. I just felt led to pray for you for your daughter. And you pray for that person, and they go, oh, my goodness, I was so worried about my daughter. Thank you. We've all had situations like that. That's the Spirit. That's the Spirit leading us. Um, And when you realize God sent you, then you realize, okay, God used me, not authoritative, not God's Word. But God spoke something to a person to speak to someone else. Prophecy is not God's word like scripture. It is not perfect. It must be judged. So the eschatology we see in scripture, eschatology is the study of the end times. Well, we see in scripture has been called the already, but not yet. The already, but not yet. We already experience, proclaim the first fruits of God's kingdom. We already have this spirit within us. We already exo- enjoy a kind of life and community that is different, distinct from the world. We already have that sense of his presence. We have manifestations of his power already, but not yet fully. We still suffer. We still experience sickness. Though we can pray, and God does in his sovereignty at times, give us immediate relief, but still not fully. So let me read to you from Ephesians chapter 1, verses 13 and 14. And listen, as I point this out in scripture so Paul's speaking and here God's word says in verse 13 in in him you also when you heard the word of truth the gospel of your salvation and believed in him you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory so when you're saved the spirit of God enters you you're born again you're you're regenerated. You're made alive with Christ, and that promise is given. You're sealed, and you have the first fruit of the Spirit. But only the fullness comes when Christ's kingdom returns. So we already have it, but not yet fully. So number two, this is something I just recently, I think, realized. Charismatics can be, charismatics can be Spirit-centered instead of Christ-centered. And that's something that's significant, I think. The interesting thing is, spirit-filled denominations are by far the largest denominations in the world, especially in, in Latin America and, and, and Africa and other, uh, other continents. Spirit-filled churches are growing dramatically, explosively. Missiologists say that by in the next couple of decades, one out of eight people in Africa will be uh, part of a spirit-filled Christian church. It's amazing. The sad thing is that I will say most spirit-filled churches around the world are steeped in error, in practice, in profession. Uh, Sad. It's a sad thing. and, And, Lord, have mercy. Why is that so? Well, there are, I'm sure, various reasons. But perhaps one reason is because... They are spirit-centered and not Christ-centered. They're more focused on the gift than on the giver. They want prosperity over principle. I look back to my early days, and I see some of that in me. Where I wanted the experience. I went to church for an experience. I didn't feel good until I heard a prophecy. Until I heard somebody. And so that's a precious thing. But it, it should have been pointing me to Christ not to the gift. John, Jesus clarifies this for us in John chapters 14 and 15. Let me read a couple of passages. John 14, 25 and 26, Jesus speaking. He says, you think I've spoken to you while I am still with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to remembrance all that I have said to you. The work of the Spirit in our lives is to remind us of what Jesus said. Paul said, I decided among you only, what? Christ and Him crucified. He's not belittling the Holy Spirit. <laughs> That's God's design. The Holy Spirit proclaims and draws our attention to Christ. John 15, 26. But when the Helper comes, which is the Spirit, but when the Helper comes... Whom I will send you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. So, we are the church of Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit is referred to as the Spirit of Christ. He's even been called the shy member of the Trinity because he's not spoken of as much in Scripture. It's not wrong to pray to the Holy Spirit, but no one ever does in Scripture. Uh, Listen, there's nothing shy about the Holy Spirit. He's the power of God, at least. He regenerates us. He changes us from fallen, dead, rebellious sinners into children of God. Oh, there's no, there's not casting any shade on the Holy Spirit here. But when He's present, we are beholding the glories of Christ and the power of Christ. And that's who He's revealing to us. So, perhaps some of the errors that have plagued the charismatic church Stem from that. Speaking of the power of God through the Holy Spirit, point number two, empower. Point number two, we are empowered. We have the spirit spirit of gifts happen to empower us. Three things, three ways we're empowered. Number one, we are empowered. We have power over sin. Romans 8, 13, and 14 say this, for if you... Live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. What is the sign of a Spirit-filled Christian? Increasingly, we have victory over sin. Those are the things in Hannah and Asher that we talked about. They had a conviction of sin. They had a sense of God's help with them as they had given their lives to him. Now the Spirit of God is within them. They're announcing through baptism they were buried with Christ in his death that they would be resurrected in the likeness of his resurrection. That happened when they believed, but that's the powerful imagery of baptism, that just like we come up out of that water, we come up out of our grave, we are saved, God's power is in us, and then progressively God begins to sanctify us. And we see the power of God in us to overcome the power of sin. If you are struggling with sin today and you are a Christian, be encouraged. The Spirit of God is within you. He is the gift to you to empower you to have victory. It may be a long battle, but His power, we are empowered to put to death sin, to suffer well, and to glorify God as we do. We're also empowered to evangelize. The Spirit empowers us to evangelize. Acts 1.8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come to you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Even Copley, Ohio, even Akron, Ohio, even Stowe, Kent and Wadsworth and Medina. There is a power God has given us by His Spirit to be witnesses it's a sign of a spiritual christian the heart and grace to share christ with others oh we need to appropriate that gifting we're leaning in our community groups listening to the proclaim series we're having more opportunities to share our faith we're being stirred by that you may think gosh it's just hard for me to talk to people about my faith i get it it can be hard for us all but listen there is within you a spirit the mighty spirit of God, the same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead, and he will empower you to share your faith. Amen. 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 And he also empowers us to build up the church. If you're still in Corinthians in your Bible, look at 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 6. 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 6. Again, we'll read this earlier. Now, there are varieties of gifts with the same Spirit, and there are varieties of service but the same Lord, and there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in every one. Listen, it can be hard to know how God wants to use us sometimes, but, but the fight of faith, the fight of faith is to know God has empowered you to serve. He's empowered you by His Spirit with gifts to build up the body. That's why when we go to a church to become a member, it's not just about, oh, I like the music here. I like, you know, I have some friends who go there. Those things are good. I hope you like the music. I'll be a friend. But we're there to receive. Yeah, I feel like God wants me here, but also to give. We're empowered by the Spirit to build up the church. So That leads us to point number three. The Spirit gives us gifts that we would be built up. That we would be built up. What it must be built up. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, the apostle gets very specific about how to practice the gifts of the Spirit in the gathered church, primarily prophecy, speaking in tongues, a lot of directions there. But he uses the phrase, build up the church six times. The goal of those gifts is to build up the church. If they don't build up the church, they probably aren't from the Holy Spirit. To build up the church, he he says in 1 Corinthians 12, they are for the common good, for all of us. And listen, it's not by accident that 1 Corinthians 12 follows, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 follows chapter 11. You're thinking, astounding, Bert. You're telling me it's not a coincidence? The 12 follows 11? No, it's not. <laughs> More than just a number, <laughs> what Paul was talking about at chapter 11 totally le- bleeds into what God's talking about in chapter 12 and 13 and 14. If you remember, we talked about it just last week. Let me refresh you. He was talking about the church gathered, taking communion, taking the Lord's shep- sh- uh, Supper together how they were becoming one body, how they were to do it in unity and defer to one another. Chapter 10 talks about having participation with one another. So Paul is building this reality of us as a church building, being built together as a gathered church through communion in baptism as we identify with the church. And then as the gifts are operating, which he expounds on in chapter 12, we build each other up. We build each other up. So Paul is continuing on a theme here of the gathered church and the power that happens when we gather. So a couple of points. What does God do with the gifts of the Spirit? Well, He, he creates unity and provides care. He creates unity and provides care as we are boldly moving in the gifts of the Spirit. If you have Corinthians open, look at 12, verses 21 through 25, 1 Corinthians 12, 21 through 25. So, so Paul is using this metaphor of the body to speak to us who say, I don't know what my gift is, or I don't really matter here, or I'm not, I'm not very gifted, or those who think, Oh, I'm a big deal because I do this or that. Paul says, Not so much. Verse 21, God's word says, The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. Do you feel weak? Do you feel like you don't really add anything here? Do you feel like no one would care if you were not here? It's not true. The Bible says you are indispensable because of what Christ has done in you. And on these parts of the body, we think less honorable, we bestow greater honor, and on our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require, but God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division of the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. So when we are humbly in faith using our gifts to of the spirit in the gathered church and in community group and in conversations, God is is breaking down division, building unity, and allowing us to care for one another. So God gives us gift of the Spirit to build us up, to build up the body of Christ and create unity and provide care. I want to come to church and community group with a desire to use the gift of spirit to care for others and build them up. It's a great idea before community. Pray, ask God, how can I be used tonight? Is there a word I can share? I can encourage someone. Maybe someone has a need. That's the Spirit of God within you. Taking the time to ask Him that is important. I know I've been guilty of just kind of showing up. And it, as my community group will tell you, and it probably shows. But we have this thing God's calling us to, to remember we're gifted with the Spirit, gifts of the Spirit that we can bring to community. bring on a Sunday morning. Not everyone comes up and prophesies from the, from the prophecy mic, but we might have a conversation with someone where we share something, We might have a sense we're supposed to pray for somebody. We might be able to mercifully hear someone struggle. That's God uniting and building us up. And secondly, secondly, God builds up the church through the gift of the gathered church. This right now is a gift of the Holy Spirit to build us up. For Corinthians 14.26, turn over a page in your Bible. 1 Corinthians 14.26, Paul, after explaining these different activities of how you operate and how you build each other up, he says, what then, brothers? When you come together, each, of, each one of you has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue or interpretation Let all things be done for building up. Let all things be done for building up. Listen, it is so glorious and so humbling to experience the many gifts of the Holy Spirit when we gather each week. The Word of God is preached. That's a gift of the Holy Spirit. We have teachers serving our children. That's a gift of the Holy Spirit. We sing songs and hymns and spiritual songs to the leadership of the worshiping team. That's a gift of the Holy Spirit. We have many people serving in many ways on sound and video, ushers and counter hospitality. Those are all gifts of the Holy Spirit. We give financially. That's a gift of the Holy Spirit. And the one-on-one we encourage and one-on-one we encourage and show mercy in our conversation before and after the service Those are gifts of the Holy Spirit. So it's not a fail if we don't have a word of prophecy. The Spirit is at work in many ways in the church to build us up in the image of Christ. However, in closing, I'll leave you one last verse. First Corinthians 14, 1 Corinthians 14.1. Paul, after he describes the gifts in chapter 12, their purposes after chapter 13, he calls us to love, being superior to the gifts. Without, the gift, without love, the gifts are clanging cymbals and sounding brass, unhelpful, unuseful. He cements us in love, still more excellent. And the gifts. But he concludes that with this verse that he says Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you would prophesy. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, I am overwhelmed, Lord, with the knowledge, Lord, that these things are not some dry, dusty philosophy, some musty theological construct, Lord, this is the stuff we experience by Your Spirit. It's why we were given your spirit. It's why, it's how we are at church. It's how we have not been destroyed because of division. It's how we have been able to see your children encouraged and built up. It's how we've been able to see ministries go out, Lord. It is by your spirit as you've gifted each one of us. Oh, God, Lord, your eminence here. Lord inspires fear in our hearts these are not cleverly contrived arguments this is not some religious observance because we have some gnawing sense of our guilt this is the church of the living Christ this is the bride of Christ this is who you're coming back for oh Jesus send your spirit Phyllis. Cheer gifts up among us, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen.